Last week, we visited the Amityville Horror House from the perspective of a crime scene. We know that Ronnie DeFeo Jr. was convicted of six counts of second-degree murder and served out the rest of his life in prison in New York State. We know that he attempted to use a plea of insanity as his defense, claiming to hear voices in his head telling him to kill his family, and that he could also hear his family whispering about how they were going to kill him. We know that despite his confession, a lot of people still question how he was able to carry this out with no drugs in his family system and with no one waking up and trying to stop him. How did no one hear the gunshots going off? 13 months after the DeFeos were brutally murdered in their beds, George and Kathy Lutz moved into the Amityville house. George and Kathy were newlyweds. Though Kathy brought three children to the marriage herself, George treated them as his own and loved his children dearly. According to George, Kathy fell in love with the home the minute they stepped inside of it. She felt like they were home. How then, 28 days later, did they flee the home with nothing but the clothing on their back, never to step foot into it again? Why was George so afraid of the home that he had to meet Ed Warren, paranormal investigator, no less than four blocks away to give him the key to the house? What is the paranormal account of the Amityville house, and is it true? Hey everyone, this is Catherine, and thanks for listening to Murder and Mediumship. If you haven't listened to last week Monday's episode about the murders of the DeFeo family, then go listen before jumping into this episode. Before we get into it, if you're listening on the day this episode is released, then happy Halloween. A few episodes ago, we talked about Johnny Frank Garrett and his conviction for the rape and murder of a nun living in the convent down the road. While it is 99.9% certain that he was falsely convicted, and received the death penalty, which was carried out, Hollywood created a movie about his case and still portrayed him as a sadistic nun killer. The movie was released in 2016, despite the fact that by then, authorities had DNA evidence that could essentially rule him out, though Texas government just wouldn't hear of it. This made me wonder how many horror movies are based off of even loosely real events and how many of the victims were turned into Hollywood money-making feature films. How many of these, quote, stories are someone's real life that we are entertaining ourselves with? With it being spooky season, of course, I had to then investigate the Amityville horror and the murders that took place in the house that started the whole thing to begin with. And so here we are. I'm currently taking appointments for private readings for November and December, and I can't believe we're almost through 2022. If you're looking to be a part of the Patreon experience, our first Psychic Circle is on November 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is exclusive to Patreon members. I'm really excited to get this new tier, Intuitively Aligned Premium and Basic, up and running. A lot of people are interested in developing their intuition and find themselves feeling a little bit off on their own in this journey, and Murder and Mediumship has been creating a place to feel more community and less alone in your journey with spirit. These tiers have limited numbers as well to keep the circles on the smaller side. I look forward to seeing some fan faces there in the second and at each circle thereafter. Now it's time to explore the haunting of the Amityville house that spawned the entire Hollywood series to be created. On November 13th, 1974, Ronnie DeFeo Jr., which we went into in the last episode, 
shot all six of his family members while they slept in their beds, all of them face down with their arms spread above their heads. He was later convicted of six counts of second-degree murder despite his insanity plea claiming that he heard voices in his head telling him that his family turned into demons and that they were plotting to kill him. He told the court that at the end of the movie that he had been watching, he saw a person with black hands hand him the rifle that he used to eliminate his family. DeFeo said, I couldn't stop it if I wanted to. I couldn't put the gun down. I felt like someone was inside moving me. He lived out the rest of his days in a New York state prison before passing away in March 2021, around 69 years old at Albany Medical Center. 13 months after his entire family was murdered in their beds, George and Kathy Lutz moved into 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York, where the DeFeos had all died. Shockingly enough, the beds, minus new mattresses, were the same beds that all of the DeFeos were murdered in. I have to say, when I read this, I understand being hard-pressed for for money. I really do understand that. I cannot imagine a world in which I would be comfortable, no matter how much cleansing happened, sleeping in the bed that someone was murdered in, even if it's just the bed frame. I'm just saying That just does not sit right with me. And I'm kind of curious if any of you would have been comfortable doing that because that sounds horrifying. I could not have done that. And literally like the beds like that the husband and wife were sleeping in, that bed was used by them. The bed the girls were murdered in, those beds were used by them. Like I just, I can't, I can't fathom that. Anyway, years later during an interview, DeFeo claimed to have heard noises in the home before murdering his entire family. He said that he heard pipes banging and someone screaming when no one had actually screamed. Did he really have paranormal experiences? Well, it's altogether possible as anything is, he did make these claims after the Lutz family made similar ones that garnered a lot of media attention. DeFeo was also known to be a dishonest person who was heavily into drug use at the time of the murders. Could he have been hallucinating while on LSD? Did lowering his energetic frequency make him more susceptible to negative and heavier energies? Could it have been a combination of the two, or maybe he was just lying altogether? Aside from his drug use, the DeFeo home was no stranger to chaos and both physical and mental abuse. Friends of the DeFeo children would testify to the abuse that they witnessed themselves firsthand, usually at the hands of Ronnie DeFeo Sr. targeting his wife or really any of the children, but most commonly toward Ronnie Jr., Energy like that can easily result in poltergeist activity, which feeds off of that sort of stress and chaos and could on its own account for the banging pipes, the screams, any amount of door slamming or anything else of that nature in the home, if he really did experience that. If all of these claims were complete lies, though, how does one explain Ronnie Sr. bringing a priest from Montreal, Canada down to his home in Amityville for an exorcism? Allegedly, during this experience, candles violently fell over, doors were slammed. It was a really horrifying experience that the Catholic Church has no records of ever happening, though. No records of ever sending a priest to Amityville from Montreal to see the DeFeo family. He had surrounded his home, Mr. DeFeo had surrounded his home in custom-ordered religious relics and statues, and when questioned about why those were there, he would respond that he had a, quote, devil on his back which most took to be a nod to his oldest son, Ronnie Jr., and his dangerous and mischievous behavior. 
What if it was more than that though? What if they were really experiencing some chaotic energy or some sinister spirits? The family who lived at the DeFeo's house before they moved into it in 1965 allegedly had a child drown off the bulkhead in the back. And I'm not sure if it was their child or a neighbor's child, but there's evidently no record of this either, though it is widely talked about. Is it merely a rumor or was their death there already prior to the DeFeo's living there? The house had been built in 1924 for John Moynihan and his family, while the original house that stood on the property had been relocated to the corner of Carmen Place and South Ireland Place, just a few blocks away from 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville. That original home was too small for Moynihan's growing family, but after its relocation, the people who owned it moved in and out of it for years, never staying for too long at a time. And if we go farther back, though, Prior to the Moynihams owning the land, a man known as John Ketchum, who you do hear referenced in the movie, owned the land where Moynihams eventually built their home that the DeFeos ultimately moved into. Ketchum is believed to have been kicked out of Salem, Massachusetts for practicing witchcraft, though he cannot be definitively connected to the Ketchums of Salem, who were actually burned at the stake for being witches. However, He was said to have practiced devil worship on the land and was an evil, sinister man. He's also said to have buried, he's also said to have been buried on the property itself. In an episode of History is Mysteries, the early inhabitants of the area are discussed as a possible reason for any hauntings of the property, if they truly did occur. And that's the land being a power spot infested by evil. Once owned by the Montaukett Native Americans, The area where the boathouse currently stands, or at least did at the time of the murders and when the Lutzes lived there, that land was used as a housing structure to leave the dead and dying tribal enemies of the Montaugas. The enemies were later buried face down in the ground with their arms outstretched over their heads. Montaugas chief Straight Arrow explains that they believe that spirit is fluid and it can come and go as it pleases and do a lot of things, whether good or bad. While others believe that there is a Native American curse on the land, Native Americans of the area strongly refute that claim. Was Ketchum's spirit still there as well as the residual energy of a battle between good and evil from a century prior? Some theorize that the DeFeo family was found lying exactly like the enemies of the Montauka tribe. Did any of this influence DeFeo or is it all only history? If it's all only history, then what did the Lutz family experience? Did their experiences stem from the land and from Ketchum or from the massacre that had occurred just a year prior? Was it all a hoax? According to George and Kathy Lutz, when they moved into the home in December of 1975, they felt nothing but joy and hope for the future in the seemingly perfect little town and the perfect six-bedroom home. A Catholic friend of George's recommended to him that he have the house blessed when they moved in because of the murders. And so George had Father Ralph Pecoraro, also known as Father Ray, come into the home as they moved in and bless it. Father Ray only ever gave one interview about his experience in the home, and he did so under the assurance that his physical identity would be concealed. While Father Ray was going through the home, he noticed that one of the bedrooms on the second floor was unusually cold, truly freezing, but none of the other spaces were quite as cold. He began to sprinkle holy water in the room, as he had in the other rooms, and heard a deep voice seemingly from directly behind him telling him to get out. He then felt a hard, physical slap in the face. He told the Lutz family not to use the room as a bedroom, that no one should ever sleep in it. 
So the Lutz family turned it into a sewing room, but he didn't say anything of the experiences that he had with the slap or the voice saying to get out. This room was where Mark and John DeFeo had been shot and killed by their brother, Ronnie. Kathy later said that she had begun hearing things almost right away, but that it intensified after the holidays were over. It was then that she started hearing scraping and banging, and the kids began to see all sorts of horrifying things, each seeing and experiencing something entirely different than the next child. Something you see in the Amityville horror movie is the youngest Lutz child, Missy, talking to her imaginary friend, Jody. The movie portrays Jody as a little girl killed by her brother with a rifle, but in reality, Missy described Jody as a red-eyed pig who could change its size and even be invisible or visible. In one occurrence, George had gone down to check on the lock on the boathouse and looked up and saw red eyes glowing from Missy's window, the same room where Don and Allison were killed. By the time he ran up there, he only saw Missy peacefully asleep in her bed. Jody even told Missy, you will always live here something that really shook Kathy and George. It certainly didn't help that both George and Kathy would catch glimpses of the rocking chair by Missy's bed rocking back and forth while Missy spoke to someone sitting in it that neither of them could see. The house started to go through wild fluctuations in temperature, and we're talking 40 to 50 degree swings. But even when it was burning hot in there, George couldn't warm up. He was obsessively cutting firewood and making sure that there was enough wood in the fireplace to keep everyone warm. And while he was waking up almost every night at 3.15 in the morning, the time the police believed the murders were carried out by by DeFeo, Kathy couldn't stop having nightmares about the DeFeo family being shot. Her dreams were so vivid that she could tell exactly where the bullets went into the bodies and where they came out, despite the fact that that information had never been released to the public. She also knew the order of the murders, another fact that had remained close to the breast of authorities. Interrupted sleep wasn't the only thing wrong with how the Lutz family slept. George noticed that Kathy and the kids had begun to sleep in the same positions that the bodies were found in their beds. Again, maybe they shouldn't have kept the beds. They all began to experience random cold spots in the rooms that were otherwise warm. Foul smells of old perfume and decaying bodies, and they'd hear the front door slam, though it was locked and no one had touched it. The dog would be laying next to it, having never flinched. This one gets me because when I was a teenager growing up in my mom's house in upstate New York, I would hear knocking on the side door in the dead of winter and my siblings would hear it too, but there would be no footprints in the snow. And it's still one of the creepiest experiences that I've ever had. In the case of the Lutzes though, they did see footprints in the snow shaped like hooves. This one, I have to wonder if they saw deer prints. But also, with everything else going on, who cares if it was a deer? They were already freaked out, and the place is already creepy as hell. As the list went on, Kathy found a bookshelf in the basement and decided to move it, to use it somewhere else in the house, of course. And when she did, she found what is now famously known as the Red Room, where Ronnie DeFeo allegedly practiced dark magic in Satanism, much as John Ketchum would have. According to a friend of Alice DeFeo's, the room was only used for toy storage, and I'll post the video of this friend actually walking through the basement and showing the red room where she says they sometimes played, but mostly kept toys. The room is nothing but a small cubby underneath the stairs. Some say the issue with this room isn't its existence, but more that it wasn't drawn into the plans of the home to begin with, though it is just under a stairwell, so I don't know if it would have been. I don't really know the answer to that, and if anyone else does, if you have 
any inside knowledge as to how that would be drawn out, please let me know because I definitely do not. Henry, however, the family's black lab wouldn't go anywhere near the red room. And honestly, I had a dog who would not go anywhere near my closet and would just growl and growl and bark at it. And then other times he'd be perfectly fine with it. So I trust the doggo's instinct. Anyway, in real life, Henry doesn't die at the Amityville house, nor does he in the original movie, but spoiler alert, he does in the 2005 remake, and I highly recommend skipping that scene or plugging your ears and closing your eyes. Anytime a dog is unnecessarily harmed in a movie, the movie officially loses all appeal for me. According to Father Ray, he had decided to tell the Lutzes what had happened in the room that they decided to use for sewing when he told them not to use it as a bedroom. But every time he tried to call them, the phone call would be dropped or it would be all static and he couldn't get through. The same would happen when Kathy would try to call Father Ray. George and Kathy tried to bless or cleanse the house on their own when things started to get weird, but ultimately felt like it made it worse for them. They had opened all of the windows to the home and started to go through each room reciting the Lord's Prayer, but heard, will you stop in a chorus of voices as they went through? George believed that they had angered whatever it was. I want to speak to this too. If I go through and cleanse my home, I trust that what I'm doing is going to work and have faith and intention behind what I know and believe I am capable of. If George, a self-proclaimed atheist, goes through and blesses his home using Catholic rituals as a non-practicing and a man of no faith, then his belief in his intention is lacking and the couple and to couple that with his fear screaming in his own head, he basically created an opportunity for negative and heavier forces to make themselves known. That's my opinion. It's not. I mean, literally my opinion. We don't do things like this when we're filled with fear, only when we're empowered and have faith in our own ability. Otherwise, seek a professional to help you. By this time, they're now also experiencing recurring black stains on their bathroom fixtures, on the china itself, not the water, and an infestation of flies in the sewing room hundreds of flies. And every time they killed them, there would be more to replace them. On January 14th, 1976, only 28 days later, the Lutz family fled their house and never returned. They cited this as the most terrifying and horrific night in the house and will not speak exactly of what happened that night as they do not want to give it power in recognizing it. They left everything they had behind with exception to a cedar chest that George's grandfather had built. The couple later recorded their experiences using a tape recorder to help them walk through what had happened, kind of in like a self-help sort of way. And these recordings are what became Jay Anson's book, which ultimately became the movie. According to George, the book is what happened. The movie is Hollywood's version. They say that they were haunted until the Archbishop of Canterbury performed a rite on them in the church. And after that, they physically felt like they were finally released from the house years later. When asked why no one else had paranormal experiences in the home other than them, Kathy explained that they were practicing transcendental meditation at the time that they moved in, and that in her mind, that may have made them more open and vulnerable to spirits and whatever else was already inhabiting the property. She believes that it was demonic energy. I do believe there could be some credence to this philosophy. I myself don't meditate at night because I feel like it opens me up and makes it easier to receive from spirit at night. If you're not protecting yourself and you don't have strong faith that you're constantly calling on, then it would be easy to be affected by such hostile and powerful evil energy if it's already in existence where you are. I'm not telling anyone not to meditate at night. I'm not saying that to each his own. 
This is something that I have found makes me more open to it. It likely isn't that way for you. If you're not someone who connects with spirit, or even if you are, and you know your boundaries and you feel comfortable doing it, do so. I don't want to like make it sound like I'm saying don't ever meditate at night. So Anyhow, the Camardi family moved in after the Lutz family and said that they had nothing but joy and love in the home, though they did have a car burst into flames in the driveway. I don't know, maybe it was recalled. And when Mrs. Camardi was asked why it smelled in there, like a foul kind of human decay kind of odor, she blamed the smell on coffee that had been spilled into the carpet weeks prior. As we arrive back to the part of the timeline where George refuses to meet Ed and Lorraine any closer than four blocks from the house, he was asked by Ed what happened in the home. George refused to discuss it, again, because recognizing it would give it power, and he was afraid to do that. He never set foot in the house again, and neither did the kids or Kathy. Now, Ed, a demonologist, and his wife, Lorraine, a medium and a clairvoyant, were called by Channel 5 anchorman Marvin Scott someone who they had met while investigating a haunted church in New Jersey. The Warrens had been out of the country when the murders took place and agreed to come investigate the home with Scott. They conducted all of their work with the intention of helping the world to recognize that demons do exist and that evil is powerful. For their own safety and protection, knowledge is power. After going to the house, Ed immediately went to the cellar because, according to Ed, he always liked to start in the darkest area of the house, where evil really thrives. He said that the house reeked of death and not because of the defeos, but because of the evil that lurked inside of it. As he held the crucifix, he demanded that the entity reveal itself. And in an interview, again, in the show notes, I'll place that, he explained that the sound pressure and physical pressure could only be described as what was like being under a waterfall. It literally knocked him down and he couldn't breathe and felt like pins and needles were all over his body until he commanded God over his body and then it ceased. Lorraine experienced essentially the same thing while upstairs in the wet room in the front of the house. She felt it at the same time Ed did while he was in the basement. Standing in the wet room, all she could see was a vision of each DeFeo body laid out in a body bag, waiting to be loaded into the vans and taken from the scene. In the room that Father Ray heard a voice telling him to leave, Lorraine told the cameraman that she hoped that was the closest to hell that she would ever get. She described it as terribly depressing, violent deaths, a young family fleeing, and just overwhelming depression. The cameraman that was with Lorraine at this time had severe heart palpitations while he was in the room as well. Another investigator, this one from Duke University, collapsed in the house, and many of the male investigators later died from heart complications. Ed Warren himself had a heart attack not too long after investigating the Amityville house, though he did not die from it. George and Kathy Lutz were given polygraph exams by two of the most well-known and respected test administrators in the country, and both of them passed with flying colors, showing no deceit at all. What do you think? Was the house haunted? Did George and Kathy truly experience all the things they claimed to have experienced? Did Ronnie DeFeo Jr. kill his family because he was being controlled by an evil entity? My personal insight is that the Lutz family absolutely experienced some level of haunting, The way the movie portrayed it wasn't exactly what happened, but I do believe that when they initially told their story, they told their perception of the truth. Why did no one else experience anything? Now, that I can't really fully answer with 100% certainty. I imagine that a lot of the DeFeo's possessions were removed from the home by the time the owners following the Lutz family moved in. Maybe the spirit wasn't bothered by whoever was in there this time, or maybe it made itself known and that was enough. 
whatever the reason behind no further hauntings is, I don't know for sure, but I do know that I believe the DeFeos experienced supernatural and negative events at their home in 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. And it's likely that the Lutz family did as well. Did Ronnie hear voices? Yeah, I believe he did, but I don't believe it was exclusive to just drugs or just something spiritual. I think that when you are using something that lowers your inhibitions and lowers your frequency like that, it does make you more susceptible. But I don't want to downplay the fact that he obviously had a lot of mental health issues and he very clearly was an addict and all of that maybe created the perfect storm. Either way, I hope that you all stay safe for the rest of the spooky season and always, of course, and don't forget that today is the last day to use code spooky season for 15% off any 30, 45 or 60 minute readings. And I'll catch you all on Wednesday for a little episode of coffee and conjurings. Thanks for listening, everyone.